Well, Pope Francis picked up a microphone on the airplane on the way back from Slovakia and, of course, said some things that are of interest to us. Uh, the first is he referred to Cardinal Burke, who has been uh, ill with COVID um, as a denier, referring to the, I will just say, cooties jab. That's the term I'm going to be using on today's show, cooties jab. Um, and referred to it as the irony of life. I'll, I'll read the full statement here. Um, but also today, I'm going to go over the Pope's statement on abortion, and I'm going to go over the uh, Pope's uh, statement on um, so-called marriages that are against the natural law. So he, he said some pretty interesting things. Um, so I'll just read this opening statement here on um, that references Cardinal Burke, not by name, but we all know who he's talking about. So the interviewer uh, asks him the issue of cootie jabs. I'm going to use the word cootie jabs. Has divided Christians in Slovakia. You say that it is an act of love to get the cootie jab, but there have been different approaches in different dioceses. How do we reconcile on this issue? Pope Francis responds, it is a bit strange because humanity has a history of friendship with vaccines, measles, polio. Perhaps this agitation is due to uncertainty, not only regarding the pandemic. There is the diversity of cootie jabs and also the reputation of some cootie jabs that they are little more than distilled water. And this has created fear. There are others who say they are dangerous because they claim that they introduce the virus into one system. Even in the College of Cardinals, there are some deniers, with the scare quotes on there, deniers. And one of them, poor man, is in, in the hospital with the virus. It's an irony of life. I can't explain it well. Some say it's because the cootie jabs are not sufficiently tested. It must be quite clear, everyone at the Vatican is vaccinated except for a small group that is being assisted, end quote. Okay, so that's the statement. Um, and when I first read this, I thought it was fake. I was like, there's no way the Pope would say that about Cardinal Burke. Um, I see it as sort of a jab, pun intended, um, against uh, Cardinal Burke for being a denier. And then he has it and he's in the hospital and he's on you know, death door, and he says, it's an irony of life. That's making light of another person's suffering. I don't think Cardinal Burke would say that the other way around towards Pope Francis. And so I do see it as an insult. Um, perhaps there are other ways to read it. Um, I don't know how else. I mean, why would you call it? Uh, it's an irony of life um, that the man who denies it is so sick. Anyway, it's, it's not classy. I'll just say that. It's not classy. So why don't we go ahead and begin with our prayer, and then we'll look at this statement, um, and we'll talk about his statement on abortion, and we'll talk about his statement on same-sex unions. All right. Lots of, man, controversial things today. So to begin, we will pray together the Our Father in Latin. Oremus nomine patris et fidei et spiritus sancti. Amen. Pater Noster. Quies in celi, sanctificator nomen tuum, advenia regnum tuum. 
fia voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libera nos malo. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right. Well, let's get into it. First off, I may be slurring my words today. There may be a little bit more Texas draw, maybe even slurred the Latin prayer. It's not because I've been visiting Grandpa's medicine cabinet and, or hitting the flask. I actually had a filling in my upper molar redone just a couple hours ago. It's a little sensitive, but this is all kind of numb. Maybe my tongue, I think my tongue is loosened, but if I sound a little more Texan and slow or mispronounce things, that's why. And I kind of want to do a PSA here and say, if you have medical needs, dental needs, legal needs, wills, documentation, I would encourage you to do it now. Don't procrastinate because we've seen lockdowns. We have uh, a politically confusing time. We, the health industry is in flux. And I had my teeth cleaned on Tuesday and the dentist said, you know, that one feeling you have, it it's, it's not doing too well. I think we need to replace it. And in my mind, I thought, well, I'm just going to kick the can down the road. I don't want somebody drilling on my teeth. But then I thought, you know, in six months or a year or a year and a half, if I don't have the right papers or who knows where we're going to be, I may not be able to get this filling fixed. So I might as well, while I have the time and the means and the access, let's just do it. So I just scheduled, scheduled it two days later. See that little slurring there? I can feel it. I'm still numb. I got it done. And, uh, I had a little trick this time. Uh, before he started drilling, I said, hey, can I listen to some music while you do this? Because there's the there's two drills. There's the wee, and you can kind of feel it in your mouth. And then there's the deep like rumble. Like, I don't know what these two tools are, but you can feel it in your jaw. You can even feel it in your skull. So I got the noise canceling earbuds out. And put them in my ear. I think the noise canceling actually helps a little bit. And then I put on the Eric Clapton live album with J.J. Kale, Robert Cray, a bunch of other cool guests. And I just cranked it. You know, when it got really tough and I could, the deep vibration went, go, 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 go. We had like a little wing going on, Eric Clapton. And uh, got through it. It's done. It's better. Speaking of Eric Clapton, yesterday um, I watched a video. I'm not going to give you the title of the video. I'm going to encourage you to find it on YouTube. It's right here. It actually begins God on COVID, Eric Clapton. This is a 19-minute video. It has over 2 million hits, and I think I would like my audience to go listen to this video um, because it's Eric Clapton my opinion, one of the top three greatest living guitarists in the world. 
talking about a negative experience he has, losing um, control with his hands, which is, of course, his trade. Um, after this experience and his difficulty with his family and being ostracized and being opposed and politics. And it's just a really interesting angle on everything going on in the world with regard to government and health um, from a very interesting man, uh, Eric Clapton. So I would encourage y'all to go watch this whole video. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm a huge Eric Clapton fan. A lot of my trout on just like, you listen to guitar music. Eric Clapton. I like Eric Clapton because I like blues and I like Texas blues, especially like Stevie Ray Vaughan. And, you know, going back to the Yardbirds and the Blues Breakers and all these things, he's he is what he is. And he actually came to town to Texas. He opened his tour here in Texas. And I went this is my second time to see him. And the first time I saw him, he was a little slow and wasn't too into it. But this week he was on fire and Eric Clapton doesn't have like smoke machines and laser beams and dancing girls or anything. It's just him in the middle of the stage. He doesn't move around or walk around. He stands there and he plays his guitar and uh, it, it's, it's impressive. And he did so much lead work and solo work and blues this few nights ago here in Texas, I was mesmerized. He's so talented. And even though he had, after he had his cooties jab twice and he lost his hand dexterity and all that, it's come back and he was awesome. Um, I was really impressed. So I admire him for his music. I read his like 350 page autobiography. It's excellent. This man is not, you know, he doesn't, he's not a Catholic. He doesn't know, seem to know Christ in that way. Although he has an excellent song called Holy Mother, which I don't know if he's written it to the Blessed Virgin, but it certainly could be written to the Blessed Virgin. I encourage you to listen to that Holy Mother uh, by Eric Clapton. Why am I talking about Eric Clapton? I should be talking about the Pope. All right, so go watch that video. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's great to see him. Also, a, a funny story. Before the concert started, I was in the concession line and my buddy, there's a guy who was really dressed sharp. And my buddy says, hey, I like your jacket. That's really, you look really nice. It's cool. And he goes, thanks, I made it. And we said, you made your jacket? And he goes, yeah, I make my clothes. I'm, I make clothes. And he looked really sharp. And I said, you know, I'm actually looking for a tweed blazer with wide lapels. I saw this in Rome once. And maybe the guy who, who wore it knows who I'm talking about. Um, and I was like, he's like, well, let's make it. And so I said, let me have your card. And he gave me his card. And I looked down his card. And I kid you not, my family crest, the Marshall crest, was on this guy's card. And I looked at him. I said, why is my family crest on your card? And he goes, what? I said, the Marshall crest. It's on your card. And he goes, well, my last name is Marshall. I was like, what? And he goes, yeah. And I'm half Irish. I said, I'm half Irish. And I'm a Marshall. I was like, we're probably cousins. Now, here he is. Sean Marshall, I believe he said his father is 100% Irish and his mother's African-American, but he's just as Irish as I am and a great guy, sharp dress, makes cool clothes. You can follow him on Instagram. Um, I love America. America is very cool. And then what's crazy is in an, an enormous stadium, an arena that was seemingly sold out, when we finally got to our seats, I kid you not, 
Sean Marshall and Taylor Marshall were on the same row in the same section. What are the odds? Amazingly. Also, we found out we went to the same high school. What are the odds? What are the odds? All right, enough about Eric Clapton. Okay, back to Pope Francis. I kept asking, well, first of all, I was praying like no other for Cardinal Burke. I mean, multiple rosaries. One night I even woke up in the night and I felt like my guardian angel woke me up to pray for him. And I started praying the rosary for Cardinal Burke in the middle of the night, like 4 a.m. And I was nervous because I was like, why did I wake up with such a conviction to pray for Cardinal Burke? And I was like, I really hope this means he didn't pass away in the night because it was when he was really bad. And he didn't, obviously. Cardinal Burke is alive and he made it. And I've been asking for updates and I haven't been able to find anything, but apparently he is doing well, perhaps not fully recovered. I mean, people I know who have had COVID, sometimes it takes them a month or two months to get 100% back. My good friend, my neighbor, who was hanging out with last night, he got COVID two weeks ago and he's just now getting his taste back. So anyway, recovery is different for everyone. But this seemed to me, this quote from Pope Francis seemed to kick the man when he was down. If you're just joining us, I'll read it again. Um, he says, there are others who say they, the cootie jabs, are dangerous because they claim that the cooties, or the cootie jab, introduce the virus into one system. Even in the College of Cardinals, there are some deniers. And one of them, poor man, is in the hospital with the virus. It's an irony of life. I can't explain it well. So he didn't have to make this comment. He didn't have to say, yeah, I mean, there's even deniers in the College of Cardinals. <laughs> That's, you know, you, you always talk about let's accompany people, let's bring people together, let's unite. And who's the one segregating the Cardinals in the College of Cardinals? It's Francis right here. Calls them deniers. And then says, yeah, one of them is sick. It's not, if you set, if you stop there, it may not have been super classy, but what's not classy is what he says next. And that is, it's an irony of life. Kind of like the old uh, Alanis Morissette. Isn't it ironic? Yeah, I really do think it's like rain on your wedding day or however that goes, right? Um, it reminds me of this cartoon that was published by the Catholic Diocese of Richmond in their paper. Let me share it here. Make it a bit bigger. Okay, so I'll make it super big. So here's a woman uh, wearing a mask. Siri, what's the word for you get what you deserve? In Sanskrit, it's called karma. And then the next block. So what's the word for enjoying that? person's bad karma. In German, it's called schadenfreude. And what's that called in English? The phrase is called, I told you so. And then the woman in the pink shirt says, I told you so. And then the man is in a yellow shirt that says anti-mask, anti-B-A-X-X. And he's got a uh, oxygen mask on with an oxygen tank. And he's got all these like bugs, a uh, little things floating all around him, and she's saying, I told you so. This was published in a diocesan newspaper. They have since apologized, so good for uh, Diocese of Richmond, but this is classless. This is not cool. 
This is the same like, haha, instant karma. It's rejoicing over the illness of another or I told you so, or isn't it ironic? This is the irony of life. By the way, check this out. Father Dave Nix pointed this out. Look at the very top left where it says Bill O'Connell Williamsburg. It just says right here, it's so much better to hear the entire mass in my native tongue and up above it's dissing Latin. So just like, okay, we know what you guys are all about. Classless. No good. And you know, what's interesting, I go back to Eric Clapton in this interview that I want all of y'all to go listen to. He talks about the shame and the and being ostracized by friends and by family, even his own children, um, because he warns his children about it and his negative effects. And they're like, oh, this makes you feel like a conspiracy theorist, dad, you know, that you're against this. And he's like, well, I can't, I'm not lying to you. I, I had these negative health effects that everyone observed that my experience, Eric Clapton said, doesn't make that go away. There are real problems with that, with the cootie jab, double cootie jab that I received both first and second time. And he, he explains it. And then he talks about, you know, he, he cites 1984 and he says, you know, you don't control a population just by fear. You control them with suffering. And part of the suffering is humiliation and psychological oppression of people. And the way you psychologically oppress people and grind them down is you label them like the deniers, right? You rejoice in their suffering and you keep them in this other group so that the people that identify with the whatever, in this case, the denier group, over time, like it's so miserable to be in this group, to be persecuted, to be um, pushed against, to be labeled. They finally just break. They either break permanently or they break and they just go into the mainstream. Because I think most people who are middle age or older, I'll count myself in that, will tell you psychological suffering is worse than physical suffering. Like a mother will tell you that hardship for her child, the psychology of it is much worse than childbirth. Although childbirth is extremely painful. The psychological pains are worse than the physical pains. And physical pains often can heal almost or entirely perfect psychological ones without Jesus and grace. They don't heal. They don't heal. All right. So that was the first. Um, oh, I also wanted to share this tweet today um, from Francis. We have severely harmed the earth, our common home, yet we have reasons for hope. The effects of the present imbalance can only be reduced by our decisive action here and now. Hashtag season of creation. Hashtag ozone day. Okay, so moving on here to the interview. This is on the airplane coming back from Slovakia. By the way, I want to note, everyone, all the headlines for this event were Budapest and Slovakia. They would not say the word Hungary. Budapest is in Hungary. 
but they don't say Hungary. Even the Pope, when he announced this trip in Rome, said he's going to Budapest and Slovakia. You think you would say, I'm going to Hungary and Slovakia, but no, it's always Budapest and Slovakia. And I think the reason for that is, is Hungary, of all the nations of Europe, maybe Poland as well, very anti-immigration, very pro-family. They've increased birth rates. They've increased marriage rates. I think they've decreased divorce rates. They've done a really good job. And they kind of represent a push against the agenda of Germany and the European Union uh, and the elites in the European Union. So something's going on there. I don't fully understand it. By the way, if you missed my video yesterday, it is beautiful footage of the Eucharistic procession and celebration in Congress in Budapest. Um, 200 to 300,000 people. Glorious, candlelit, beautiful procession for the Eucharist. And uh, Archduke Edward von Habsburg does an audio commentary. He's the Hungarian ambassador to the Holy See and does an excellent commentary uh, on that podcast from yesterday. So I think the name of the podcast is Eucharistic Mega Procession. Check it out. Okay, so now we get to the statements here on abortion. And let's see. First of all, George O'Connell from America says, first of all, I wanted to tell you that we are all happy about the surgery, which produced a wonderful result. You are rejuvenated, Pope Francis says. They told me that some people wanted to have the operation, but it wasn't cosmetic. Ha ha ha. Okay. So O'Connell says, you have often said that we are all sinners and that the Eucharist is not a reward for the perfect, but a medicine and food for the weak. As you know, in the United States, after the last election, there was discussion among the bishops about giving communion to politicians who supported abortion laws. And there are bishops who want to deny communion to the president and other officials. Some bishops are in, are unfavorable. Others say, say not to use the Eucharist as a weapon. What do you think and what do you advise the bishops to do? And have you, as a bishop, in all these years, publicly refused the Eucharist to anyone? Wow, I love this question. I love how it is worded. So are you ready for the answer of Pope Francis? I can feel a little bit of slurring there, so I, I do apologize. I had For those late, I had a filling redone. Okay, here's what Pope Francis says. Quote, I have never refused the Eucharist to anyone. I don't know if anyone has come in these conditions. This even as a priest. I have never been conscious of having a person like the one you describe in front of me that is true. The only time I've ever had a nice thing happen was when I went to serve mass in an old people home and I was in the living room and I said, who wants communion? All the old people raised their hands. One little old lady raised her hand and took communion and said, thank you, I'm Jewish. And I said, what I gave you is Jewish too. This is not a time for jokes. I mean, She's not baptized, Holy Father. She's not baptized. This is not something 
to celebrate and repeat. This is sad. I'll admit, even when I was an Anglican priest, I would, in the hospitals, come across Jewish people. I remember once, I've I, publicly, I think I've talked about this before, where I went to, um, I got a call to go and uh, be with a woman before she went through a very severe surgery. And I knew her husband, but I didn't know her. I went to the hospital and I went back right where they were prepping the patients for surgery. Again, I used to be an Anglican cleric, a priest, before I became a Catholic. So I went in and I, you know, I had my, my prayer book and I had my stole. And anyway, they sh showed me her bed and they said, I think she's already under. So I said, no problem. I can still pray for her. And so I went and I put my hand lightly on her shoulder and started to read the prayers. And she woke up and she said, what are you doing? And of course, I was in a collar and everything. I don't know if I was in a Catholic, but, and I said, I'm, I'm here to pray for you. And she said, but I'm Jewish. And I said, oh, I didn't know that. Obviously her husband wasn't. Uh, I said, well, I, uh, I'm here. Can I still pray for you? And she said, I would like that. And so I went and prayed on my prayers. Back then I was a little, I was Protestant and I was a little more ecumenical. So like, instead of ending the blessings, like in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, which is in the book, you know, I fudged it and said, in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and did those kind of things. I was being ecumenical. I was much more ecumenical back then. Not so much anymore. But anyway, I understand the temptation to do that, and it is kind of funny uh, to say these things. Um, but I don't think it's something that we should brag about that I've never refused communion to anyone because canon law clearly gives guidelines for for refusing communion. St. Thomas Aquinas gives guidelines for refusing communion. Um, the early church fathers talk about refusing communion. Uh, this is part of our tradition. It's part of our norms. So boasting that you're not in that is not good. Pope Francis goes on to say, communion is not a prize for the perfect. Think of Jansenism. Communion is a gift, a present. It is in the presence of Jesus in the church and in the community. Then those who are not in the community cannot take communion, like this Jewish lady. But the Lord wanted to reward her without my knowledge. Out of the community, excommunicated because they are not baptized or have drifted away. This is cloudy, and I'm not comfortable with it. Uh, the second part, I don't know exactly where to put my finger on it, but you know, he's accusing people of refusing communion of Jansenism, and Jansenism is a heresy named after Cornelius Jansen, and he was an Augustinian scholar, and Jansen said that Christ didn't die for everyone. Christ only died for the predestined, for the elect, and in fact... There is a such thing as a Jansenist crucifix. Let me see if I can pull one up for you. And we are not allowed to use a Jansenist crucifix because a traditional crucifix has Christ's arms out to embrace the whole world. But a Jansenist crucifix actually has the arms upward. I found a good picture here. Let me save it real quick has the arms upward and narrow like how a um in America how they do a uh, sorry to ask me to do something here a touchdown right so here is a is a jansenist crucifix if you have one of these you need to talk to a traditional priest on how to remove it 
and get rid of it, but we're not allowed to have. That's a Jansenist crucifix. It's a heretical crucifix because the arms are going straight up. And the symbolism here, again, is Christ died for a few and not all. See, this is all. This is a few. Now, that being said, there's a distinction in Catholic theology. St. Thomas Aquinas makes this. Christ died on the cross and shed his blood for every human soul from Adam and Eve until the last baby conceived. All. His payment, his redemption, is sufficient to save every single human soul, every body and soul, every person. However, it's sufficient for all, but it is efficient, efficient with an E. It is efficient only for those who have faith, hope, and charity towards Jesus Christ. That brings sanctifying grace into the soul. That allows the human who's finite and mortal to become united to the essence of God in the beatific vision. That's what grace allows us to become. So Christ's death, the Catholic edition is, it's sufficient. He pays for all. It's efficient only for those who believe and love Christ. That's it. The Jansenists, heretics, said that it's only efficient for the predestined, and Christ only died for the predestined. So a Jansenist would say, if you said, did Jesus die for Judas Iscariot? They would say, no. When Jesus was on the cross, he did not die for Judas. That's the heresy of Jansenism. Excluding people from the redemption. So when Pope Francis says refusing communion is like Jansenism, you can see where he's aiming, right? But it's actually not correct because if any if refusing communion is Jansenism, then the Code of Canon Law is Jansenist. Thomas Aquinas is a Jansenist. How ridiculous would that be? Uh, Pius V is a Jansenist. Uh, St. Augustine is a Jansenist. The Eastern Fathers are Jansenists. And so on and so forth. Now, Pope Francis gets to the second point. He says the second problem, and by the way, if you're enjoying this, please like, give it a thumbs up, please subscribe, hit the red subscribe button and the bell, and please share it. So Francis says the second problem, that of abortion, it's more than a problem. It's homicide. Whoever has an abortion kills. No mincing words. Now, I'd like to pause here and say, good job, Pope Francis. Bravo. Good. No mincing of words. He says it is homicide. It is killing a person. Awesome. Very clear. Very clear. Pope Francis then says, take any book on embryology for medical students. The third week after conception, all the organs are already there. Even the DNA. It is a human life. This human life must be respected. The principle is so clear, Pope Francis says, quote, to those who cannot understand, I would ask this question. Is it right to kill a human life to solve a problem? Is it right to hire a hitman to kill a human life? Scientifically, it is a human life. Is it right to take it out to solve a problem? I like this. I'm going to pause here. I like this, Pope Francis. I like putting the rhetorical question up. Is it ever okay to take a human life to solve a problem? And in this case, an innocent human life, we should say. Obviously, there are times 
that we take a human life to solve a problem. For example, if a man is in a crowded place and he's shooting innocent bystanders with a gun, um, and then you can get a sniper up on the building next to him and shoot him in the head so that he's dead and no more people get killed, it is okay to solve that problem with violence against the violent. Obviously, police do this every single day. But it's never okay to kill an innocent human to solve a problem. Pope Francis then goes on to say, that is why the church is so harsh on the issue, because if it accepts this, it is as if it accepts daily murder. A head of state told me that the demographic decline began because in those years, there was such a strong law on abortion that 6 million, abortion, six million abortions were performed and this left a decline in births in the society of that country. Yeah, that's definitely happening. Look at the countries that have, look at their abortion rate and then look at their demographic rate. It's parallel lines or lines going in opposite directions, actually. One more thing here. Pope Francis says, quote, now we go to that person who is not in the community who cannot receive communion. And that, and this is not a punishment. He is outside. But the problem is not theological. It is pastoral. How we bishops manage this principle pastorally. And if we look at the history of the church, we will see that every time the bishops have not dealt with the problem as pastors, they have taken sides on a political front. Think of the night of St. Bartholomew's. Heretics, yes, let's cut their throats. Think of the witch hunts of Campo dei Fiori, of Savonarola, when the church defends a principle when it does so in a non-pastoral manner, it takes sides on a political level. And this has always been the case. Just look at history. I'm going to pause here. I don't think it's always the case. Um, and Pope Francis, I would argue, is the most political pope we've had in 100 years. He takes political sides daily in his commentary. Um, so to say that it's, hey, let's not be political, let's be pastoral, he is very political. Very political. Now, the examples he gives, the St. Bartholomew massacre, that was the killing of the Huguenots. But remember, the Huguenots were, or Huguenot, they were taking the Eucharist out of tabernacles in the public square and feeding the Eucharist to pigs in front of the lay people to prove to the lay people that the Eucharist was not Jesus. They would give hosts into the mouths of pigs and pigs would eat the hosts, eat Christ our Lord. And they would say, obviously this can't be Jesus because the second person of the Trinity wouldn't allow himself to go down the throat of a pig. And the people would say, oh, this is disgusting. You're right. That can't be Jesus. These Calvinist heretics would do that. They also, in a matter of weeks, I think they, they burned down and destroyed hundreds of churches. So these people were violent. Think of like Calvinistic Antifa. That's what was going on there. Savonarola. It's interesting that he defends him. You know, uh, Savonarola actually is, we could debate whether he was the first set of a contest. 
that might be shocking to people because Blessed Pierre Giorgio and others have had devotion to him, but he several times says that Alexander VI is not the real pope. And Alexander VI, in our history books and in our list of popes, is considered a real pope. And yet here is this man who I think was holy and a good man saying this man is not a true vicar of Christ, Savonarola. Interesting history there. Okay, so my only my only concern here is that Pope Francis is very political. I mean, he's the guy who's like meeting with heads of states and holding up a sickle and cross with Jesus crucified on the sickle of cross. That's totally sacrilegious and blasphemous. Anyway, Pope Francis says, what must the pastor do? Be a pastor. Don't go condemning. Be a pastor because he is a pastor also for the excommunicated. That's interesting. Pastors with God's style, which is closeness, compassion, and tenderness. The whole Bible says so. A pastor who does not know how to act as a pastor. I am not very familiar with the details of the United States, but if you're close, tender, and give communion, it's a hypothesis. The pastor knows what to do at all times. But if you go beyond the pastoral dimension of the church, you become a politician. And you can see this in all the non-pastoral condemnations of the church. If you say you can give or not give, this is casuistry. Remember the storm that was whipped up with Amoris Laetitia? Heresy, heresy. Fortunately, Cardinal Schomborn, a great theologian, was there. He clarified things. They are children of God, and they need our pastoral closeness. And then the pastor resolves things as the Spirit indicates to him, end quote. This is rough, guys. As you know, Amoris Laetitia. Not a fan. Because it has the same, I would say, actually, casuistry. He's saying the opposite is casuistry. This is casuistry. Where you just basically say we have to have tenderness and closeness to all people. Even the non-Catholic. And so we can give them communion. Unbaptized people. God wants unbaptized people to receive communion. No, you receive baptism first, then you receive communion. If you believe the whole faith. This is Catholic teaching. It has been for 2,000 years. The updating, the modernization of Catholicism that Francis is describing in these last three paragraphs, this is modernism. Modernism is the heresy that Catholicism must be modernized and updated updated every 10 years, every 20 years, every 50 years, every 100 years. We're constantly modernizing it, taking the faith and repackaging it, evolving it, changing it to fit with the mode of the common era. Modernism, the mode of our time. A la mode. This is so heretical and dangerous to do these kind of things. To say, for example, uh, uh, regarding the Jewish lady, um, he says, then those who are not in the community cannot take communion like this Jewish lady, but the Lord wanted to reward her without my knowledge. How do you know that? You're saying that Jesus wanted a Jewish lady to receive communion and she doesn't presumably believe in Jesus and she's not baptized. I mean, you see where this is going. 
my friends, if you say, like Bishop Barron says, that there are all these micro reflections or micro lights of truth in other religions, which there are, there are some true things in other religions. And that those things are therefore salvific and get you to heaven. See, that's where I draw the line. That's what I call the Rahner jump, the Carl Rahner jump. Don't make the Carl Rahner jump. Smaller truths in a religion don't make that religion salvific. That's the problem. But if, if you do believe that, which is very much uh, in the spirit of Vatican II, if you really do believe and hold that, then you're going to say, well, then yeah. I mean, a Muslim who believes God says give alms to the poor, and we believe in give alms to the poor, so that's a truth in Islam. Well, by doing that, they're going to be saved. Well, if they're going to be saved, shouldn't they also be receiving the Eucharist? And Pope Francis and others are like, well, yeah, the Jesuit way is, well, yeah, I mean, every, I mean, Hindus, I mean, how can we exclude anyone? And this breaks down the sacramental economy established by Jesus Christ, which is very carefully crafted by the divine logos himself. You're baptized. It regenerates you. It removes original sin. It infuses grace. It infuses righteousness. And it gives you faith, hope, and charity. Also infuses the four cardinal virtues. Now you're alive in Christ. You learn about the faith. You grow in the faith. You're confirmed. You receive the gifts of the Holy Ghost. The Eucharist strengthens you every time. If along that way you stumble into mortal sin, you got to be all revitalized again. Now we have the sacrament of penance. I mean, this is just basic Baltimore catechism, Catholicism. If you went back in time and told Pope Pius X or any Pope, yeah, you know, I gave communion to a Jewish lady. She wasn't even baptized. That'd be a big deal. It wouldn't be a ha-ha moment on an airplane with a microphone. Be a big deal. So in this whole conversation, I have to commend Pope Francis for his very strong words on abortion, calling it homicide. But when it comes to Cardinal Burke, that wasn't classy, wasn't good. And when it comes to this whole idea of, I have, of him saying we should never refuse communion to anyone, Think about that for a moment. We saw the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, mayor of, uh, she's a, the lesbian mayor of Chicago who came, she's not even Catholic. She came forward and received communion with the Cardinal Supich right there. I mean, this is where we're going. I mean, if a Jewish lady can receive communion and uh, the, the Protestant mayor of Chicago can, I mean, where does this ever stop? Where does it stop? It's a big problem. All right, we have to pray more. I'm getting the sense that our Lord Jesus Christ is testing and trying his people now. Things look difficult in the church and in the state. And it's a moment for all of us 
to find encouragement. I did a whole show on this a week ago. I'd encourage, I gave 10 reasons to be encouraged right now. If you missed that show, please go back and watch it. Your homework for today is go back and watch my show from last Friday, 10 Reasons to Be Encouraged. It's called A Message of Encouragement is the name of the podcast. And watch that Eric Clapton video on his experience with the cooties jab. That's your homework. Besides, pray the rosary every day. Encouragement. You have the faith. If you have the whole Catholic faith, the real faith, the faith given by Jesus Christ to the 12 apostles, if you have that right now, you are richer than any billionaire on earth. You have meaning. You have grace. You have a final destination, which is heaven. You should be encouraged. It's like you own this penny stock that no one cares about, but somehow you just know that that penny stock is going to turn into a hundred billion dollars in just a few decades. And you own it. You own a lot of it. It's the pearl of great price and you have it. You have it in your heart. And that pearl of great price is Jesus Christ and his kingdom. You gain a kingdom. So be encouraged. Yeah, but what if they take away the traditional Latin mass? If they take away the traditional Latin mass, I don't know what we're going to do. But we can still have the faith. If they put us in FEMA camps, we still have the faith. It's happened to good people before. Maximilian Colby, do you think when he was doing all of his missionary work and his preaching and the newspapers and the radio, all this great apostolate that Maximilian Colby was doing, do you think that he thought one day he was going to die by lethal injection in a Nazi concentration camp? No. Did they take away the mass from St. Maximilian Kolbe? You bet they did. He couldn't say mass toward the end. But he had Jesus. He had the faith. That's what we have. Be encouraged. All right. I really, really, really want to encourage you to pray the rosary every day. Pray the rosary every day or you're not on the team. I want you to read the Bible every morning when you wake up get out that bible you can just read through the whole bible it'll take you about a year i have a a daily plan on how to read the bible uh, you can get that at new saint thomas institute also if you're a patreon supporter a patr uh, generous patron of this channel you also get access to that daily bible reading go to patreon.com forward slash dr taylor marshall so you got to read the bible you got to get traditional catechism and i've said and i'll say it again you should read the Catechism of Trent. But if you haven't done any Catholic theology or study since you were seven years old or 13 years old, you need to sit down with the Baltimore Catechism and read it cover to cover. I guarantee you've forgotten about 60% of it. You need to read it. And you need to memorize those prayers and memorize those lists. The Ten Commandments, the Seven Sacraments, Seven virtues, all that. You need to get all that back in there. Get it all back in there. And you need to go to confession every two to four weeks. Unless you have mortal sin, you got to go right away. If you have mortal sin, you basically have a gunshot wound in your chest. Can't wait. You got to get that gunshot wound taken care of 
quick. It's mortal. It's a mortal wound. Mortal sin is a mortal wound. Um, my neighbor, my good evangelical neighbor, told me something really good that I want to share with you, and it's this. You've heard hurt people hurt other people. When people are hurt, they lash out and they hurt other people. Hurt people hurt people. He said the flip side of that is healed people heal people. So if Jesus has healed your wounds or is healing them now, and you're experiencing that, you need to reach out and be a healer to other people. You need to invite them to Mass. You need to be public and take up space with your Catholic faith. You make the sign of the cross. You pray the meals. Maybe you put statue of Our Lady out front. Bumper sticker in your car. I mean, take up some space for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So heal people, heal other people. Hurt people, hurt other people. I like that. I like that a lot. All right, I think I got through here with my new ca- my new filling, my old cavity here. I think I made it. I do feel a little more loose. I wonder if all this talking brought blood in and circulated loose and everything up. I'm feeling better now. So pray the rosary every day, and we're going to close up with the Hail Mary in Latin. Oremus. That's not it. We got an error. There we go. Here it is. Nomini Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in molieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pronobis peccatoribus, nunc eritor mortis nostre. Amen. Gloria Patri, Filio, Spiritui Sancto, sicuterat in principio et nunc et semper, et in secula seculorum. Amen. Nomini Patris, Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, friends, please do me the great honor and like this video with the thumbs up. Bing. Share this video on Facebook. You are my algorithm. No one cares on on YouTube or Google what Pope Francis says on an airplane or how to be encouraged or the traditional Latin mass or pray the rosary or read the catechism of Council of Trent. None of these are hot topics that go into the YouTube algorithm and just start going viral. So the only way people see these videos and these topics is you. You are my algorithm. So copy this link, paste it in Facebook and say, hey, this video is good. Check it out. And subscribe if you haven't. Click the subscribe button and the bell. And remember, our Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and God speed. Oh, and go get your dental work done before you can.